Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We are excited that you came across this message. The sermon you are about to listen to is from our series, Who is God? If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the sermon. Well, praise God, praise God. Looking forward to continuing in our series, Who is God? Who is God? For those of you who are joining us online, welcome to you here in the room. Let's give our folks online a big round of applause for being with us. We appreciate it. And hope to see you in the room sometime soon. Come on, somebody. All right. Uh, I'm going to start off this weekend with a little bit of an odd thought, maybe a, a different thought, but a thought that I hope um, provokes us and gets us to a point where we're leaning in more to this series, Who is God? Hopefully by the time I'm teasing out this thought, you will think to yourself, I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad we're in this series. I want to know more about who God is. Here's the thought for us to consider. It's a thought I have often. I just want to go to heaven and be in the physical presence of my heavenly father. How many of you ever had that thought before? How many of you have had that thought today? Like I just... I just want to get out of here. I just want to get, I mean, this is great, but to be in the physical presence of God, singing to God, how many of you look forward to that day? I know I do. Uh, my friends back home know me often for just saying, I just want to be in the physical presence of God. I just want to go home to Jesus and here are a couple common emotions that, that have had me over the years just wanting to be in the physical presence of God. I'm going somewhere with this. Just hold on. Here's the first emotion maybe you could relate to. I, I'm just weary. I'm just tired. I, I'm tired of the disappointment. I'm tired of the fighting with my spouse, with my kids. I'm tired of the financial pressure, these besetting sins that seem to trip me up over and over again. I'm just weary of fighting the battle over my sin. God, would you just come now? I'm weary, I'm tired. And I just wanna say to you this weekend, for those of you who may be listening online here in this room feeling weary and tired, the Lord sees you, the Lord is aware of your weariness, he's close to the brokenhearted, maybe you're weary because your heart has been broken time and time again over things in your life, things in the world. I just want to go to heaven. Not only does God see you and identify with those feelings of weariness, but he also, but I also, I've been there and I know what that feels like. And even as a pastor, guys, sometimes I want to leave this place and go to heaven. But it's not only because of weariness. 
How many of you have ever felt like I just want to leave this place, be in the physical presence of God because I'm, I'm wanting? This world just isn't doing it for me. You ever felt that way before? Like, yes, my wife is great. The kids are great. This church is great. But I find myself wanting more. And I hate to admit this to you, but I've only been here for six months. And getting to preach at the Hope Church before this beautiful, diverse, powerful church that reaches the nations, getting to work alongside the Travis Ogle. Come on. Getting to preach after the Teddy Johnson and the Scott Worthington and the rest of this team leads us. I mean, what a dream come true. But I have found myself wanting more. This is great and it's, oh, it's so beautiful and the lights are so bright and the TV's so big, but... There has to be more to life than just this. And maybe you and your jobs and your careers, you find yourself, yes, I'm thankful, but I'm wanting more. I'm reminded of this quote by C.S. Lewis. Many people are familiar with it. He says this, if I find myself in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. That we were made for something more. No relationship, no success, no obtaining anything is going to satisfy us because we weren't made for this world. And so I find myself thinking about this often, and I'm so thankful that the Apostle Paul, someone who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, two-thirds of the second part of our scriptures He felt this way too. Look at what he says. This is the amplified version, writing to the church at Philippi. I have the desire to leave this world and be with Christ, for that is far, far better. We're in good company if we want to get out of here. Paul, very spiritual man, spirit-led man, God-fearing man, planted churches all around the Mediterranean rim. He wanted out too. I love the message translation, the message paraphrase. Eugene Peterson writes it this way. The desire to break camp here. You ever been camping and you're like, okay, I'm done. Let's go home. Come on, somebody. This is great, but I want my bed. I want to break camp here and be with Christ is powerful. Some days, come on, I can think of nothing better. Okay, but we're still here. (laughs) And he hasn't come back and he hasn't taken us home yet. Why? Well, look at what Paul has to say in the Amplified. Yet to remain in my body is more necessary and essential. Everyone say necessary and essential. Here's blue. Blue's important. For your sake. He must stay for the sake of those 
who are watching and following him, since I'm convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. Here's what I'm saying. I'll just put it on the screen. There is more of God that wants us to see so we can more fully help others see more of God. Why are we still here? Why, you know, we sing the song, if, if I'm not dead, you're not done. Not only if I'm not dead, you're not done, God speaking through me and moving through me, but if I'm not dead, God's not done showing himself to us. So with that said, I, I want to talk to those of you who've been walking with the Lord for over 35 years. If you've been following Jesus for over 35 years, would you stand, please? I, I would, we want to acknowledge you, honor you, bless you. If you've been following Jesus for over 35 years, stand, please. let's give these folks a big round of applause. Come on. Our seasoned, stay standing, stay standing. Our seasoned saints, our mature saints. And you're like, yeah, I'm a seasoned saint. Let me sit down. Just give, give me a second. We honor you. We thank God for how you've walked with him for so long. But can I just say this as humbly as I can as a young man who has not followed the Lord near as long as you have. There is more of God that he wants to show you. You have had many quiet times. You have seek the Lord, sought the Lord on many occasions. But I just want to say to you, there is more of God that he desires to reveal to you. Why? Not only so that you can worship him more fully, but so that others could see more of God through you. Stay in the fight, season saints. We honor you. We need you. God bless you. God bless you. You guys can be seated. And for the rest of us, same, same. There is more of God that he desires to reveal to us. So why should we lean in more to this series, Who is God? Because there's more of God that God wants us to see. How many of you are excited about the idea that tonight God can show you more of himself? Someone say amen. All right. So we're in Exodus 34, 6 through 7. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, we've been walking through this interaction that God and Moses have. Moses, the man who was called to deliver the Israelite nation out of captivity to be their leader. At one point in Moses' life, God in his grace and mercy revealed himself to Moses. He told Moses who he was. And over the last several weeks, we've been looking at the various characteristics that God revealed. So let's jump into, again, what God revealed to Moses about himself. The Lord passed before Moses, proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, that's his name, I am a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger. And what we're going to look at this weekend is the characteristic of abounding in steadfast love. Keeping steadfast love for thousands. Next week, we're going to look at his faithfulness. This week, we're looking at his steadfast love. 
forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation, abounding in steadfast love, keeping steadfast love for thousands is the topic of our conversation this weekend. Steadfast love of God. So here's my tension question. The question we're going to look to answer. How much does God actually love us? We're talking about God's love. And even as I read that question and we talk about love, I got to just be honest, inside of me now is this sense that you're thinking, God's love, duh, I know he loves us. You're going to say a lot. <laughs> By the time you're done, you're going to say a lot. What's that going to do for me? And can we just, I don't know, some way, somehow, humble ourselves before God and maybe, just maybe, we don't know everything about God's love for us. Can we just say amen to that? Maybe, just maybe. How much does he actually love us? Like for real, for real, how, how much? And here's one reason why I think you should pay attention to this question. It's my burden. Here's what's at stake if we miss this. I think our love for God and others lacks depth because our understanding of God's love for us is too shallow. Do you want to love God more, yes or yes? I think if you want to love God more, we have to be more in tune with how much God loves us. How many of you would say, I would like to do a better job at loving others? Some would say, amen. I think if we want to do a better job at loving others, we have to be more aware of how deeply God loves us. How much does God actually love us? Well, here's our outline. Here's where we're going today. We're going to look at the quantity of God's love. Then we're going to look at the quality of God's love. And I couldn't think of another Q word, so we're going to look at the impact of God's love as we close. Quality. Quantity, quantity, quality, and impact. And um, I'm looking forward to the impact of God's love because I think it's one thing for us to know about the love of God. It's another thing for the love of God to actually change the way we live. I think when it comes to God's love, many times Christians can be functional atheists. You could articulate how God's love is for you. You could praise God for his love. But when we actually start living our lives tomorrow when you leave or when you leave this place or you go to work or you don't act like he loves you as much as you know he loves you. So I'm looking forward to the impact as we close. So let's start with the quantity, the quantity of God's love. There are three words that describe in this text the quantity of God's love. It's abounding in steadfast love. It's keeping steadfast love for thousands. So I'm going to spend the majority of time under the quantity of God's love talking about abounding. Let me just say something about keeping in thousands real quick. Keeping is from the Hebrew word preserving, watching over. And so when it comes to God's love, we've got to know from a quantity standpoint, when we get an understanding of the quantity, it's a preserved quantity. It's a watched over quantity, keeping steadfast love for thousands. What does that mean? Thousands. 
Lots and lots. Other places where it talks about the steadfast love of God in the scripture, it talks about for a thousand generations. So from a quantity standpoint, we're talking about a preserved love, a kept love, and a love that is for generation after generation, past, present, and future. Now, abounding comes from this Hebrew word rav, rav. And for us to understand the the depth of the abounding love of God, I want to take us to two other places in the scripture where this same Hebrew word is used. The first one is going to be here in Genesis. Genesis 7, 11 through 12, this is talking about the flood account when the earth was flooded. And, and look at the words, Moses writes these words in Genesis under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the rav, abounding, deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were opened, and rain fell upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. When we're talking about abounding in steadfast love, rav, steadfast love, what we're talking about It could be compared to the amount of water that was needed to flood the earth. How many of you would say, that's a lot. That's a lot of love. And I don't, I mean, all the water to flood the earth. That's just a lot of water. Abounding in that much water, if that much water was God's love for us, that's how much God would love us, as much water that was needed to flood the earth. Here's another place that this is used. In Joshua, speaking of the army that was before Joshua, and they came out with all their troops, a rav horde an abounding horde in number like the sand that is on the seashore with very, very rav horses, abounding horses in chariots. What I want to focus on here in number like the sand that is on the seashore. How much sand is on the seashore? (laughs) A lot, a lot. Abounding. Wow, these two pictures, enough water to flood the earth and all the sands on the seashore, that's how much God loves us. That's the quantity of God's love for us. But, but why, why don't we jump up at that? Do we feel entitled to that love? There wasn't a big round of applause. Oh my gosh. It was almost like, yeah, he better. Here's the two words under quantity, immeasurable and inexhaustible. Immeasurable and inexhaustible. Maybe this will help you appreciate this amount of love that God has for us. How many of you would agree, we don't have this amount of love for anybody? (laughs) I love my wife. I mean, she's probably the person in the world that I love the most. 
But I'd be lying to you if I told you my love for her is immeasurable and inexhaustible, probably in a note to her, in a letter to her when we were dating, I probably lied to her and said this. (laughs) But let me just be honest. After I serve her, do a couple of, you know, chores around the house, I wanna take a break from love. (laughs) Just me? Like, honey, you know, she's asked me to do a couple things and it's only a couple things, but that like drains me of all my powers. I just, I wanna take a break. I just loved you for 33 minutes, so I just did those two tasks. Can't you give me a day off from loving you? Oh, and I know you're just judging me, but I am broken. And I just wanna tell you how broken I am before you find out. That's all, that's why I do this. I, I get tired of loving people. I'm an introvert, so if I go out and we have dinner or something like that, I'm working hard. And by the time I'm done, I'm like, man, that was your ed time for three months. Like it's, I measure it. My love is exhausted easily. How many of you are thankful that God does not grow weary in loving us? That God doesn't need a day off in loving us? That after God pours out his love on our lives, he doesn't say, okay, now you're going to go loveless for a couple days because I need to recharge. Because God knows after I love well, I need to recharge. That's the quantity. Let's look at the quality. The quality of God's love now. Let's keep this moving. Quality of God's love. The way we understand the quality of God's love is this Hebrew word hesed. Everyone say hesed. Hesed. So you got rav for abounding. Going to learn some Hebrew tonight. And we got hesed. Everyone say it again. Hesed. This is a word, a Hebrew word that's used in the Old Testament over 250 times. This is a very significant word in the Old Testament. This word refers to God's covenant love for his people. And I want to read this commentary about it. Ian Dugid says this. In the Old Testament, hesed is a central theological term. Yet because there is no exact English equivalent, it is proved hard for Bible translators to render it accurately. In various versions, it appears as, so if you read Exodus 34, 6 and 7, when it gets to this part about steadfast love, there's a bunch of translations. Kindness, faithfulness, mercy, goodness, loyalty, and steadfast love. If there's no English translation, how am I supposed to explain this to you? How can you understand what hesed is? How can we understand the quality of God's love if there's no direct English translation? Well, I'm going to do my best to help you understand Hesed by taking a look at Psalm 136. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there to Psalm 136, turn in your phones, you can follow along. The scriptures are going to be on the screens. But this is a passage of scripture That says a lot, and after what it says, you'll see in a moment, after every phrase, it says, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. 
The Hesed of the Lord endures forever. The Hesed of the Lord endures forever. So we're going to walk through this psalm and, and pull out some qualities of this Hesed so we can understand the quality of God's love. Are you with me so far? If you're okay, Sam, okay? Okay, Psalm 136, here we go. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his hesed, his steadfast love, endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. Firstly, this steadfast love is of God. No one else has this hesed like God has hesed. Covenant love, it's of God. Let's keep it moving. To him who alone does great wonders. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. For his steadfast love endures forever. His love is creative. It does great wonders. This steadfast love, it's not just of God, it's creative. Let's keep moving. To him who made the great lights. For his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the city. For his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and the stars to rule over the night. For his steadfast love endures forever. It's not just creative, but it's creative specifically for us to enjoy, for us to be guided by. This is God's steadfast love. It continues on. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. For his steadfast love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them. For his steadfast love endures forever with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. For his steadfast love endures forever. He brought Israel out from among them. This is a redemptive love, a rescuing love, a proactive love. Once again, that many times is connected to God's covenant with the nation of Israel. And what the psalmist is doing here is rehashing the steadfast love that God had for Israel goes on to say to him who divided the Red Sea in two for his steadfast love endures forever and made Israel pass through the midst of it for his steadfast love endures forever but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea for his steadfast love endures forever it's a miraculous love divided the Red Sea in two. How many of you are thankful that the God who loves you loves you in a miraculous way? He does miracles in your life with and through his love. And it continues on. To him who led his people through the wilderness for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings for his steadfast love endures forever and killed mighty kings for his steadfast love endures forever. How many of you are thankful for a victorious love that God has for us? Struck down great kings. God always wins. Never lost a battle. Never lost a battle. He always wins. This is a victorious love. Whatever you're going through right now in your life, because of God's love for you, you will be victorious. He doesn't lose. It goes on to say, Sihon, king of the Amorites, here's some of the kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage, for his steadfast love endures forever. It's a generous love this promised land that God had promised, it's a generous love. 
goes on to say, heritage to Israel, his servant for his steadfast love endures forever. It is he who remembered us in our lowest state for his steadfast love endures forever and rescued us from our foes for his steadfast love endures forever. How many of you are thankful for a thoughtful love? He remembered us in our lowest state. He remembered those Israelites, even though they were sinning against him, doing things their own way. He remembered them. I think we're closing up with this last phrase here. He who gives food to all flesh, it's a providing love. God's love is a providing love for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. God's love endures more than you could endure reading that whole passage. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, this is going on forever. <laughs> Why'd you have to do the whole thing? Because I wanted you to get a sense of God's love going far beyond what we can handle. We have such low tolerance. Some of you, I heard it in your head. You were like, really? Are you going to do the whole thing? I got it. I got it. Move on. And God wants to say, I love you in your impatience. I love you still. I love you still. It endures forever. Some of you remember Sandlot. They were sharing around the campfire, telling some ghost stories or something like that. And how long? Forever. Forever, forever, on and on and on. Let me just summarize this. Powerful love, creative love, redemptive love, miraculous love, victorious love, generous love, thoughtful love, providing love, forever. And for someone who has such a short amount of love in my meter, to know that God loves me with a forever enduring loyal love is a beautiful thing for a wretched man like me. Praise you, Lord, for your forever love, your loyal love. Now, in regards to the quality, what if I told you it gets better? Not only is it loyal and forever, but if you look where this word hesed also appears in the Old Testament, it appears in the book of Jeremiah. Check this out. This is incredible. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts, boast in this. If we're going to brag about anything, this is what we should brag about, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. And here's what I want us to see, the quality of God's love. Not only is it forever, not only is it enduring, for in these things I delight, declares the Lord. What does that mean? It's not just forever. God enjoys loving us forever. Some of you, I know it. You don't enjoy loving your kids. You don't enjoy it. You have to do it. You don't, you don't enjoy loving some of your brothers and sisters in Christ? Come on. Let's be real. 
We love each other here, but some of us, we enjoy loving more than others. Some would say amen. amen. But God delights in practicing hesed. Wow. God delights in loving me. I'm not just a nuisance to him like so many people are a nuisance to me. Wow. Here are the two words, two phrases. Quality of God's love, enduring for us, enjoyable to God. Enduring for us, enjoyable to God. Now, let's land the plane. What impact should that have on our lives? If, and let me just um, do a review here. If God's love, the quantity is immeasurable and inexhaustible. Oh, you can go to that. Yep. If it's immeasurable and inexhaustible, if the quality of God's love is enduring and enjoyable, enduring for us, enjoyable for him, what should the impact be? How should our lives be changed? How should we not be functional unbelievers of God's love for us? Number one, relief. Oh, go back. Oh, yeah, a lot going on there. <laughs> relief. There you go. Relief. What do I mean by relief? Well, in light of how I just said I, you know, have trouble loving my wife and enduring and all of that stuff. How, how much of a great resource is it to me? And not in a lazy way, like I'm not going to love her because God loves her. But to know <laughs> that God is going to perfectly love my wife when I love her imperfectly. Husbands, come on, come on, come on. Come on, Killebrew. Come on. It's not, come on. Don't leave me up here, Killebrew. The fact that God is going to love my wife perfectly, that's a, that's a relief for me. But it's not just a relief for me so that, okay, okay, God's going to love her perfect. But here's another relief. See, when we realize God's love for us, his perfect love for us, it also should relieve us from requiring others to love us perfectly. Come on, when God loves us with a perfect love, you don't need your kids to love you perfectly anymore. You don't need your spouse to love you perfectly anymore. You don't need your pastor because you know we're going to let you down and not love you the way you want to be loved. I got great news for you. When we fail, God's going to love you perfectly. I've realized that people who aren't, experiencing and living in the perfect love of God, those people are very hard to love. They're very hard to love because you can't ever meet the standard. They're looking for something. They're looking for a type of love that was never to be experienced through another person. I say it this way in terms of the perfect love of God. The only one who can love you perfectly is the God of perfect love. This would change the dynamic in our marriages. This would change the dynamic in relationship with our kids, coworkers, friends. I think so many times we have these unreasonable expectations of people and how they should love us because we're looking for them to love us in ways that only God could. Hesed, steadfast love, enduring, loyal love. 
You've got that in Christ. So the first impact should be relief. Oh, God's going to take care of the people who I love imperfectly. He's going to, not that I'm not striving to love others more like God, but when I fail, God's got them. And then I'm going to let my kids off the hook. I'm going to let my wife off the hook when it's not experiencing the love that I want her to give me. I could relieve her of that responsibility because that's God's job to love me perfectly. Here's the second implication. The second impact it should have on our lives is rest. Rest. If we really believed that God had an immeasurable and exhaustible love for us that endured forever, we would chill out. <laughs> Some of us are running around with, like chickens with our heads cut off, worried, anxious, high-strung. Chill out. God loves you. Jesus said it this way. As the fathers loved me, so have I loved you. Now what? Abide. Rest in my love. That word abide is the same word that's used when the dove, the Holy Spirit of God, descended on Jesus at the time of his baptism. What did the dove do? It abided. It rested on the shoulder of Jesus. I don't think that dove was anxious. I don't think that dove was trying to get anywhere. That dove just landed. The Holy Spirit rested on the shoulder of Jesus. And the voice came from heaven, and what did he say to Jesus? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And here's the good news. When we place our faith in Jesus, his perfect life lived on our behalf, his death paying for our sin, for the way we love others imperfectly, his resurrection, when we place our faith in Jesus, God declares over us the same thing he declared over Jesus at his baptism. This is my son, this is my daughter, in who I am well pleased. God is pleased with you not because you please God. God is pleased with you because Jesus pleased God on our behalf. Thank you, Lord. So what do we do now? Rest. Rest. This week, when you yell at your kids and you know you shouldn't have done it, I want you to hear the words of God spoken over your life. Rest in my love. When you disappoint your boss at work, you don't get it right. I want you to hear the words of God over your life. Rest in my love. When you fall into that besetting sin, you need to hear the enduring hesed over your life. Rest in my love. Rest in God's love. Rest, rest, rest in God's love. Stop, chill out, rest 
in God's love. How many of you would like to live a week like you've never lived before, resting in God's love? Let's pray and ask God to help us do that. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, your love, abounding in steadfast love, keeping steadfast love for thousands. God, connect the dots in these human minds that we have to help us see this love that you have for us that isn't dependent on us. You love in this way because this is who you are. Nothing we do can change who you are. So help us to rest in who you are. Abounding in steadfast love, keeping steadfast love for thousands. Help us, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. So here's how we're going to close our time. We're going to sing that song that, that we sang earlier. We're going to lean back in the loving arms of a beautiful father. Typically we ask you to stand. Typically we ask you to respond and come forward. What do you think I'm going to ask you to do as we close our time today? It starts with the letter R. Rest. As the song is sung, sit there and let God's love for you just be true. Some of us have a hard time with just letting God's love for us be true. Some of you, you need to lean back. Stretch out your leg. You got to just fall into it. Just, just, just your lazy pose. And let God's love in some of you right now in your minds. You're fighting me on this. You're like, no way, no way. I got I to gotta go to the altar. I got to repent. I got to raise my hand. I got to do something, man. I got to do something, man. I got to do something. Chill out. God loves us. You know me, me, I'm about to sit my, my behind down there. And here's where I got to rest. I got to rest in knowing that God's going to help you rest. <laughs> that that's not on me to try to work you up into a frenzy to get. I need to rest. And then we're going to transition. We're going to sing a song of praise. It's going to come up. But, and at that time, some pastors will be here to pray if you need prayer. So we'll have that time available. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've never made him the Lord of your life, if you've never said, I know I'm a sinner, I need a savior, no wonder I'm so restless, I've not trusted in Jesus to be the savior and the substitute for my life, just come up and let us know. Say, man, I want that rest. I wanna live in that type of love. Enduring forever, inexhaustible. But I just want to encourage us. Maybe you sit there with your hands open. Man, I think so much of the ills and worries in our life could be cured.
by just receiving the love that God has for us.